You have the yacht and the receipt for it too, and you're waving it around. <laughs> you're like, I bought this. I was in early. Welcome to the ninth episode of Media Jungle Video Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Regeer, coming to you every week to break down the business behind media, technology, and the creator economy. We have Adrian Bashik today, started as the youngest CNN correspondent back in the day when we met, then became a guerrilla video journalist, and now crypto executive, founding partner at Eternity Chain. They've launched NFTs for Shaq, Tony Hawk, Pele the king we're also joined by retail tech innovator pavin bal founding partner of bellwether culture a new york-based content agency and the host of fashion is your business podcast and of course the smartest newsman on instagram moshe wanunu former executive producer of cbs news bloomberg mr primetime and now president of mo digital Today, we learn about the metaverse, the future of retail, Twitter's NFT push, Netflix, and the media news of the week. But first, Microsoft Metaverse. Facebook changed its name to Meta, and Microsoft said they're going to keep their name, but they're going to buy Activision for $70 billion to create their own Metaverse. You know in the Matrix where they say you can take the red pill or the blue pill? The Metaverse is the blue pill. You enjoy a secondary digital persona, the person you always wanted to be. Hey, are you coming? Yeah, just got to find something to wear. Fortnite wants virtual concerts. Who wants to be in a sweaty crowd? Disney wants to create its own virtual Disney World. Who wants to wait in line at Disney World? Nike wants virtual Air Jordans. No one's stepping on those Jordans. And Walmart wants a virtual shopping experience. Who wants to go to Walmart? The market is estimated to grow to $42 billion by 2026. The Oculus is an iPhone and every company wants an app. Either people are going to hate the headset or move into the metaverse. Stay tuned. Adrian, I know I did a little bit of an intro, but maybe you can start off by like explaining where we are in terms of adopting these technologies and why normal people who don't have a headset should care about all this. Look, we're, we're very early. I would say that we're in the MySpace days in terms of what NFTs and metaverses will be. So as you know, it went from MySpace to Facebook to Twitter to Instagram to Snapchat and then TikTok. And just as every person and every company and brand in the world adopted these in kind of a linear fashion, that's how we're starting out with NFTs first, disrupting art and collectibles, now sports and next gaming and then content. So we're very, very early. Yeah. What, what do you think is the next step? The next step is literally, I think, uh, augmented reality is going to step in and overtake some of the hype that metaverse has become. Obviously, you know that technology doubles in adoption rate and speed every five years. So these things are going to move fast. I can tell you working in the industry, uh, the, the target shifts literally every day, week and month. So what we were working on six months ago, has come to fruition. And now we have to look forward to the next wave, which I think will be AR. I think metaverse companies and projects all got very well funded in these last uh, three to six months. They're going to be building. And next, you'll hear AR coming in very, very soon. But the real deal integration for metaverses, for example, using NFTs as a conduit isn't really going to be in use and mass for another two, three years. 
I can talk about the Bitcoin halving cycle and adoption rates and why that's important. And 2024 <laughs> will be the real big. Yeah, but 2024 will be the real big year of adoption and use of these technologies. 2024. Okay. Yeah. Um, Pavan, we know each other from the tech scene in New York. How do you uh, try to kind of describe this new innovation? Is there any ways that you that you use so people can understand it? My whole thread has always been, how do you connect to your customer through innovation, right? And this is just kind of like the evolution of that in my eyes, at least. So I got really excited about NFTs when I saw, like to, to Adrian's point, its uh, implication when it comes to things like rewards and going into the metaverse and becoming like that that token or that that access point to a lot of those experiences. Um, so when I look at it, it's like Web two in like oh nine. I was teaching brands or kind of consulting them through like how do you switch your marketing from like shouting at them at like billboards and television and radio to having a communication. Uh, with your customer or your consumer. And now like Web3 is like, all right, well, how do we actually hang out with them in the internet? So I think that, you know, a good way to break it down from my vantage point has always been, or to my community has been, okay, well, right now we're, we're reading about our brands on, uh, on, through our computer screens. And what does it mean for us to actually be able to be inside of their environments and experience? What's an interesting example that would help kind of people understand how, what's actually happening now, Adrian, with like NFTs and the NFTs that you launched and why that actually gives value to the person who's buying it and the people selling it besides just like buying something and hoping the price goes up. If you think of Bitcoin disrupted money, Ethereum disrupted software, along with other layer one blockchains like uh, Solana, Cardano, uh, Avalanche, Terra, Phantom that you'll hear a lot of now. Uh, NFTs are disrupting content. And how did that start first? With art. Right, so it was JPEGs, literally, and then it was kind of 3D uh, art, so to speak, that was on a higher level with illustrators and, and big name artists coming in to sell their wares uh, as digital collectibles uh, and art pieces. Why is it important via NFTs, crypto, and blockchain? Because you can establish the provenance and the authenticity as a one of one, and that's the only one in the world. Literally, we, we've made NFTs, you know, in the hundreds of thousands. Uh, in value that are strictly a one of one, you can you can establish their authenticity on the blockchain cryptographically. Nobody else can hack it. Nobody else can reproduce it or whatnot. Um, and so that establishes this this layer of value. So that's how it started first, and then it bled into collectibles. So you've seen the sports world fully embrace it. Why? Because you used to have signed memorabilia and baseball cards that could fray, get lost. Uh, be tampered with, be copied, be faked. And what did we do? We're doing, you know, interactive NFTs with the Dallas Cowboys and Dak Prescott and Zeke Elliott that whose stats, for example, change and are updated on the blockchain. And we only did, you know, 2,500 of them. So only those fans are restricted and, you know, paid between $250 and $500 a piece that literally the stats changed for the NFT as the season went on and they went from you know silver to blue to gold depending on their performances so that's how collectibles have been have been mm -hmm. and then and you create next, a vr experience around it uh we will so then we as we said uh Eternity, our our nft company eternity chain you can check it out on, on, on twitter and on instagram at eternity chain hopefully they'll, they've got a little link there uh we just announced a partnership with sandbox on friday for example that 
our friends and partners at SoftBank kind of helped introduce because that's a portfolio company. So bridging these two companies together to do a partnership and then we'll bring our licensing and our IPs into Sandbox for experiences and activations. So you put on your headset and you go into the Sandbox and they have a whole experience that other people build. It doesn't even have to be a, a headset, which is great. So you can do it on the phone. You can do it on your computer. You don't need that interface, which is limiting for a lot of people, right? It's only like mm-hmm. Gen Z and below that are really actively using these headsets because it's cumbersome. It's, it's, it's time consuming. So these metaverses have come up where it's a 2D experience. You don't need a headset. And there's these different activations going in. You need an NFT as access, right? So the NFT is the first layer to get you access into a metaverse. And then you can equip your avatar. So I can have my Adrian avatar in Sandbox or Decentraland or smaller custom ones. And you can equip it with a messy jersey from us, for example. Or you can go to Sandbox and you can equip it with a car, literally a jetpack that can let you fly between the different experiences. And what's interesting is that you have voice activation in these metaverses where you can interact. We can all be, quote unquote, in a metaverse at a concert, at an art gallery, at a stadium of sorts that's that's happening in these worlds. Um, That's now, and that's been this next wave of building off the NFT hype, so to speak. Now it's this metaverse craze. As I said, moving forward, I think you'll see a big growth in augmented reality with some very interesting lens companies that are building in photons for lenses. And you're going to be able to see this stuff in the real world. So there's going to be an interface layer that's going to be hugely interactive, uh, that again will will come in this next wave very soon. In the internet, we have browsers, we have websites, we have social media websites, we have email. Is that how, how would you describe the metaverse? It's another level, right? So Web three, Web one was like the the delivery of communication across the globe via internet, right? Web two was sure. Web two was was companies coming in to use internet to then deliver products like. Uh, social media, right? And these are centralized companies that then monetize off of free data, right? Web3 Web three is taking all of us into an experience layer and monetizing our own data and our own selves, so to speak, via those, those communication channels. So NFTs allow you in the creator economy, for example, to deliver content and monetize off of that. That's a great thing. It's it's just starting to percolate and you'll see some new projects pop up that let creators sort of release content via NFTs. That's happening. Um, and that will be hugely uh, both uh, disruptive, hugely profitable, but hugely democratizing as well for a lot of individuals. So right now, if you check out the metaverse, you have uh, collectibles, you have art galleries, and you have advertising. Yeah, that- uh, essentially. <laughs> and, and then these are going to be uh, happening with experiences. So again, Steve Aoki, for example, uh, during during COVID, you know, led a big clubhouse. And he was like, oh, guys, I, you know, there's so many of you here. I, I, I love this. Uh, he did a concert. Uh, I'm going to let everybody, uh, whoever's in the room, I'm going to let everybody come to a concert at my house. You can't have 20,000 people at his mansion in L.A., right? You can have 20,000 people in his sandbox land at a virtual concert there, and everybody can either be on an Oculus or just in a 2D plugged into their headset, and you can talk to everybody there at the concert, and you can listen to it. 
And you can see their avatar? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You'll have an avatar. I got an avatar. But do Again, they have it now? Or that we're uh, not there yet? It, it's literally being built as we speak. There are okay. some there are some concerts that have happened. Uh, Evan Blau, um, or Blau, the uh, DJ, he yep. did a whole Metaverse interactive concert. Music is going to be individual artists releasing their NFTs. And all so now it's music, creators. gaming are sort of the next steps after the collectibles, art, and advertising? Gaming is happening. Projects like Axie Infinity uh, and Star Atlas are, you can buy assets uh, as NFTs, own them, resell them, and participate in a gaming economy. Literally, uh, it's helped the GDP of the Philippines with uh, young people who had no job prospects, who lived in the jungle, for example, I've been there, seen it firsthand. There were like ex-gold miners that would be exposed to uh, mercury when smelting gold. And now they're, you know, exchanging assets and doing play to earn gaming and sustaining entire families in the Philippines. That's just one example. And if you look at Star Atlas on Solana, you can buy your own ships, your own fuel, ammunition, food, explore the galaxy and interplay in these in these games and earn yield off of, uh, of, of your holdings and NFTs. So gaming, uh, you know, that's why Microsoft got in because so far it's just the, the, the company is earning all the money. Why shouldn't you be able to own your own assets in a game? And everybody participates in an economy of scale. That's what's exciting. These are economies of scale that everybody can be inclusive in, in not just the company and the workers at the company and the shareholders, but it's everybody using these, assets. Gen Z is 80% of them are gamers. They represent $100 billion in spending um, in the US alone, right? So this is a huge priority for fashion brands. And that's why you see the LVs and the Balenciagas. And um, I mean, name a fashion luxury house out there, they're all building towards um, a gamified and digital experience for, for gaming plus the metaverse right now. Next topic, Twitter announces NFT profile pics. It's like showing your yacht in your profile picture with the receipt. If you subscribe to Twitter and pay $2.99 a month, you can put your expensive NFT in your profile. If you wanted to know, I paid $100,000 for my profile. But people don't go to Twitter to flex. People use Twitter to argue about politics and tell jokes. So a lot of people hate it. Looks like Instagram and Facebook are doing it too. The blue check is cool, but do you have a crypto punk or not? Will people do this? Stay tuned. Uh, Adrian, you said that you have a NFT. You're going to have an NFT on your profile. Profile pick. My Twitter at Adrian Bashik, I do have uh, a board ape on my profile pick. Yeah, it's just kind of a prerequisite from doing business in the industry. And th- this, this is what's interesting about this, Alex. It's not that he bought into it necessarily. Because there's two, what happens with these communities, especially board apes, is either you were early and you had the hindsight to hold and hold and hold and hold because you knew that what was brewing there was important. So either now you're a futurist or you're someone that bought into it. Both of those communities want to meet each other. So that's what makes it such a special community is because when board apes get when the apes get together, it's either you're really early and you have fucking insight like that and you're willing to take risks and hold on, especially when look again, folks that are early don't necessarily have money, right? The, the, these are folks that like, got in because they're in the know and they held on, it's really tempting to take 100 ETH right now for anybody, right? And the fact is, if you still held and now you're being placed with folks that are big money that are coming in in droves and now both of those communities want to meet each other. So Adrian, you you got the subscription for Twitter Blue and you have the hexagon shape 
Or I, you I, just I, have... I have not gotten the subscription. Okay. Uh, I, 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 you got to get it authenticated. <laughs> it, it's that's like the yeah. on the blockchain and it's on I, that, I that's the receipt it. right that's the receipt alex is talking about i love that but you but, have the yacht and the receipt for it too and you're waving <laughs> it around <laughs> you're like i bought this <laughs> i was in anyway, early look, as i said we're in the myspace era remember before myspace if you look at the timeline of social media there was friendster and before that there was icq these are names long gone and, and those built for four or five years before myspace which we then new was overtaken by Facebook. So I say we're still early in that era. You've got to look at the next 10 years, the next 12 years, as these are three cycles of adoption and building. And we're very, very early. All this is going to change and be malleable and rotate between these companies and projects. But the important key factor is the fact that you're on a blockchain, you're, you're, you're trading and using these assets via crypto and users and individuals can monetize and use these assets for their own benefit and, and the greater good. I'm all about the greater good. This is instead of single companies and shareholders and whatnot, which are all well and great and, and more power to them. But this is democratizing on that third level of monetizing these technologies to then use in a more democratizing way, I think, ideally in their in its ideal yeah. sense. And so this is Twitter's first jump integrating into uh, crypto Facebook, Instagram, there's reports saying that they're going to launch an NFT marketplace. What are these social, big social media platforms? What role are they going to play? I, I can tell you that every major company has talked to, you know, um, first movers like us at Eternity in terms of NFT marketplace collaboration and integration. They don't necessarily want to go out there and build their own and do all the smart contracts for it because I can tell you almost almost three quarters of every major NFT marketplace on launch with tons of traffic has crashed. Uh, it's just like a, it's like a badge of honor. It's a, it's cost of doing business at, at this point. When we launched our first NFT and we did it in collaboration with, with OpenSea, we crashed OpenSea twice, for example, because the inbound traffic was so high. So OpenSea is like eBay for NFTs. Exactly. Exactly. OpenSea is the big catch all where mm -hmm. anyone can mint and create an NFT and then after that, you have uh, more curated NFT sites like Nifty Gateway, Maker's Place, Rareable, and Super Rare. And then under that, you have niche sites like us, like Eternity. Some of these have tokens. Others do not. We have a token, for example. So it allows the users to participate in the token economy uh, via NFTs. And others are just an NFT marketplace, and you go on and you buy NFTs. Uh, the jury's out as to what's going to win out in the long term and what really benefits users is it an autograph and a, and a candy where people are just buying nfts of sports stars via credit cards without a token i don't know is it going to be those platforms that have a tokenized economy that allow everybody to participate in that and again that's just nfts then you go to metaverses etc with with facebook moving in the biggest uh the facebook and instagram the biggest social media network in the world with them moving in and they're known to just copy people and blow uh, their competitors out of the water, does that mean that they're going to take out OpenSea or Coinbase or other of the big uh, marketplaces? Again, we're, we're so early and, you know, you see reports of anywhere from 2 to 25% of the general public interacting with crypto or NFTs to crypto, right? Let's say crypto, let's say in, in the very high 
numbers, 20% of the world has been exposed to crypto in some way, shape, or form, not even holding, but maybe even just opening account, forgetting about it, whatever. 2% of people are interacting with NFTs and whatnot. The more people get involved in this, the merrier from our side on the crypto and blockchain industry side. The more masses can come in and inter- interact with NFTs, we welcome them all, right? We're we're like small little startups. I mean, we're you know we're a hundred hundred million dollar market cap company uh, that pales in comparison to these huge behemoths. The more people can interact with crypto and blockchain and monetize their own stuff in any way, shape, or form, we welcome them all. Absolutely, everyone's going to have a place at the table. No worries. I think, Alex, what you were kind of alluding to is maybe consolidation. Like, what what does that kind of look like? And, and Adrian, like, I'm wondering from your standpoint, what does the consolidation look like from, let's say, the metaverse standpoint? Because what I find is difficult, right, and a huge bottleneck to growth is that you have to decide right now whether you're going to be buying land in Sandbox or, um, or Decentraland or, or Meta, whatever it might be. And so they're like, it's not as if I'm using Internet Explorer or, you know, you know, Netscape back in the day or now Google Chrome or whatever it might be, right, or Safari, like, and the website exists across all four. The experience exists in one, right? So if I'm, let's say, Gucci and or Snoop Dogg and I create my branded experience, that only exists in one of them. So what does that kind of that fragmentation look like in your head over time? There's a lot of talk of that, and that's why we say 2022 will be the, the, the year of interoperability and cross-chain ag- agnostic build-out and growth. So us at Eternity, we're partnering with Layer Zero, for example, and they're building out a cross-chain solution where users can uh, mint to any chain that they desire. So these projects are going to have to go cross-chain interoperable so that people can go between them. There's talk of like an interoperable alliance. If you look at the Cosmos ecosystem, they're bringing in a bunch of projects like Secret and Terra Luna, for example, that they can work all together. It's going to happen that same way with metaverses, but it's okay to have a bunch of different metaverses. People are going to be able to pick and choose their destinations and, 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 and the winners will be multiple. There doesn't have to be one catch-all winner. Absolutely not. I think one of the interesting things is just... Um as Adrian has been kind of laying out the timeline as we expect it, is practical ways that the average person, uh, even the er- average early adopter, can really start to like live and thrive here more than just kind of like buying a, a, a single single NFT. Um, what I you know I I think is going to be interesting is so you have the practical uh, side of things, and then Alex to your question about Facebook and the big boys getting in is it comes at a time where there's so much scrutiny on acquisitions. And, you know, one of the ways Facebook and some of the big guys have been able to get so big is they bought their way to domination, right? Facebook bought Instagram, Facebook bought uh, WhatsApp. And those are just a couple of the success stories, right? Facebook acquired a whole bunch of stuff. They tried to buy Snapchat, etc. Given where we're at, given the scrutiny that Washington and others have now applying to Facebook, um, it puts them at a disadvantage that they can't necessarily use their wallet uh, and the size of their bank account to acquire their way to domination here. They're going to have to effectively, it's a, it's an open, fair playing field right now. Uh, and that's not something that the Googles and the Facebooks are used to. 
Well, well, not just that. The ethos of blockchain and crypto and NFTs is to decentralize and to democratize our universe, right? So this this goes against everything that everyone's built towards, and that's what you're probably hearing a lot about in the circles that have been in this for a little while. Is is yeah, there's heavy resistance on the acquisition side as well, but. Yes, yeah, so, some sort of consolidation has to happen, and it does generally, in 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 the past, come in the form of uh, investments and buy, buyouts. Um, will DAOs become, you know, essentially the decentralized autonomous organizations become your new, um, you know, mega unconglomerates? I hope so, um, and and I think that that's what a lot of people are pushing for is an understanding, uh, you know. Adrian mentioned there's 2% of people own an NFT right now, 2%. We're, we're nowhere close to even the beginning, you know? And if we could get to a place where people start understanding what DAOs are and how to connect NFT projects to DAOs and start getting excited about that stuff, which I'm seeing now and I get really geeky about, um, that could probably flip the script a little bit. Um, but there needs to be a lot, a lot of education. Uh, before that that can happen and quickly. Yeah, I'm I'm curious if a decade from now we'll look we'll look back on Facebook and a couple of these companies as the uh, IBMs and HPs uh, of a previous uh, computer era. Yeah, and IBM had a historic day yesterday, and they'll still be around. And there's room for new players at the table. Let's also not forget that this is not the only business in town. I mean, like again, a manufacturer can still manufacture goods. They don't have to think about Web3 in the same capacity. They have to think about maybe their distribution and their sales and marketing engines, but that doesn't touch their core business. I think that you know Web3, you need to figure out how to play along with it. And we are in a new time of innovation. It's a little frothy. It's a little bubbly. I can tell you, again, time the Bitcoin halving cycles, uh, 2020, the Bitcoin halving happened. What happened? We had a huge run-up right, to a new high crash and then it goes stable and and sideways for two years and then 2024 hits and you'll see another higher high come down and sideways but these next two years are the building phase and that's where the nfts the metaverse the gaming uh companies will all be building from now on you've had a huge injection of capital from all the vcs historic year for fundraising in the crypto and blockchain space and right now as you see the markets we're going down a bit sideways and it'll go sideways. And this is the building phase of the next two years. When did the renegade journalist, Adrian, that I knew turn into a technical trader? I don't know. Uh, but next, next topic, subscription fatigue. Netflix dropped 20% last week. People are sick of having a million subscriptions. You got Amazon, Spotify, Netflix, Disney Plus. Some of you are paying for OnlyFans. Add them all up. That's about $50 a month, which makes me think. But in my humble opinion, the shows are 20 times better than cable was. Stay tuned. Mosh, what, what do you think of this? Do you think uh, people are getting subscription fatigue? Well, I, one of the issues they're facing right now is that uh, with COVID and quarantine, you saw a massive uptick in the number of people signing up for these services. So the issue, um, you know, Wall Street has calculated basically the value of these companies uh, to a certain extent based on quarterly growth, quarterly growth, quarterly growth. Well, if you had two years of growth in a quarter or two, 
um, you know, especially in certain markets, you're going to run out of people who are willing to pay a certain amount as it, you know, as you increase the price of Netflix, you know, from 12 to 14 to 18, etc. So you're pricing certain people out. So these SVOD services that survive on subscriber monthly, um, you know, are running out of people in certain marketplaces, right? Ultimately, they got to go international or they got to go down market. So they got to, you know, provide things that Netflix has said they wasn't going to do, which is advertiser supported, right? That will give you Netflix for five bucks a month or four bucks a month, but you're going to have to watch a bunch of ads. And that's like the model that Tubi and others in the AVOD, the advertiser video on demand market uh, have gone to. So, you know, it's so interesting because like you saw this collapse of Netflix, you're like, well, why is it? And they're like, well, they had 8.3 million subscriber growth instead of 8.5 million that they promised. And so we saw a complete collapse over that. So Part of this is just the, you know, Wall Street adjusting its expectations. But part of this is a determination that it ultimately to find growth, to continue to grow, you have to find either new markets geographically or new verticals to get into. Yeah, it, does, it never makes sense when, pe- when stocks fall because of slowing growth, when growth is growth. It should be said Netflix is not as profitable as some of its competitors and Wall Street and investors have given it a uh, crazy valuation. So, you know, maybe 2022 is also a year of kind of uh, uh, kind of real setting kind of the actual value of companies that have just been absurd, absurdly valued in the past year and a half with all this money um, in the marketplace. Well, I'll say as a consumer, man, this original content game is strong right now. Like, I feel like I am getting recommendations of different unbelievable shows like every single day. Yeah. And there's no time to watch them all. And I think that that's part of the problem. But shit, man, the consumer is really winning right now. And when we talk about c- consolidation, to your previous point, Alex, I mean, we are at a point now where it's like you can't afford to have Paramount Plus and Peacock and Hulu and Netflix and Disney Plus, you know, like and ultimately these services will have to be bundled together in some cases. And so ultimately, who will be doing that? You know, Apple kind of did that in the music world with iTunes. Who's going to do that in the streaming world? Um because ultimately, push comes to shove, you know, only the only the biggest companies are going to survive. If you can't, like Netflix, you know, throw 500 new shows out there every couple of months because they just have the money to produce that and all they need is a couple of hits. If you can't compete with that, ultimately, they're going to, you know, buy their way to, to victory. Um, and so that's just something to keep in mind. I can tell you that what's very interesting that you won't hear of yet, but it's happening behind the scenes is that content is going to be disrupted by NFTs as well. There are studios and there are companies and there are a couple big blockchain companies that I can't reveal the names of yet that are developing original content for sale via NFTs and are baking in scarcity and limited views and unlockable content that you can only get via NFTs. And there's going to be a huge monetization layer for independent Producers, directors, actors, fans, enthusiasts, collectors, you name it, it's coming. And that's why I said you have to look at this on a 10-year, 12-year time horizon as to what happens. So translate that to me as like a content creator. So like the next Game of Thrones will not be available on HBO Max or Netflix, but where would it be available and how would I get to watch it? It would be available via a blockchain smart contract company like a secret network, like a Dapper Labs, uh, which is Flow, which does NBA Top Shots, with like an us at Eternity, where you are creating an NFT sale to fund a production, for example, of your favorite director and your favorite star paired together, 
and they raised the financing, which they just did for the Ethereum documentary. They raised like 100 ETH to fund the, the, the production of this Ethereum documentary. And then everybody is participating in the sale of the of this series, for example. There's even a couple film finance projects that are coming out where you're taking your NFTs and you can stake them in this DeFi mechanism and you're earning yield off of the NFTs that are being staked on the network. For example, um, uh, actually, uh, there's I, I can't reveal the names of, the, of that just yet because uh, it's coming out, but, but users can then earn you a yield off the NFTs for staking them and then the project comes out and everyone participates in the upside. And then they can partner with like a live peer network, for example, or uh, a Filecoin network where you're using decentralized cloud storage for delivery mechanisms of the content. And they can limit the amount of episodes that are put out, the amount of views, the amount of uh, resales, you name it. But as a consumer, where am I watching it and how am I paying? For it? Like, I want to pay 10 bucks to watch it. Like, I, what mm-hmm. website am I? Or what, you're watching on, on, where their am stand, I going? on their standalone streaming site. And, and anybody can stream. Look at us on Media Jungle. We're using a platform and interface to stream it. Uh, the streaming doesn't matter anymore. That barrier of entry has been cut in half, at least. So it's on their own content delivery page with their NFTs being staked in the background and then being able to uh, be resold to watch the episodes. And then everybody gets a residual and and a resale percentage from those episodes. And that's the most exciting part, right? The chain of where the revenue actually flows down to. It's it's exciting. Um, but but most like to that point, like there's no TVs anymore. There's just big screens, little screens and medium sized screens. Samsung and every other electronics producer in the planet is uh, they all of their quote unquote TVs are coming with hard drives in the back. Right. I mean, um, this is, this is a full on, I mean, this, the smart TV revolution surely happened years ago, but, um, it's only going to amplify as NFTs become uh, more and more prevalent and part of our, the way that we interact with brands and, and each other. This industry of crypto and blockchain, it's so collaborative. It's so collegial. I was in media for a long time covering war zones, disaster areas, environmental issues. And then I saw technology being able to help rather than just covering problems, but rather solutions. That's why I got involved in the industry. It is incredibly welcoming and there's a huge upside of opportunity for new entrants into the space. Every company in the space is hiring. Talk to us and others if you want to be involved. Uh, it's an open playing field for all to so get involved. We need more smart creative folks to join this um, understanding of what the possibility of this future will and could look like and help develop, you know, let's say an altruistic view, uh, the glass half full view of what uh, Web3 can potentially be. Thanks for watching. Please send us any information, respond to the email on our newsletter at Substack or leave us a comment. We really appreciate all your feedback. Thank you, Adrian Pavan Mosh. You can follow Adrian at Twitter, Adrian Bashik. Uh, you can find Mosh on Instagram, Moshe, M-O-S-H-E-H, and Pavan on Instagram at PVNBHL. See you next week. Wow, you made it to the end of the podcast. Thanks so much for listening. By the way, we also are a video podcast where you can see extra memes, charts, visuals about the segments. So you can find that on YouTube or subscribe to our Substack newsletter for exclusive updates. And thank you so much for listening. See you next week.